Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Uh, thanks for joining me today, whether you're catching the show live or in archive. Uh, again, uh, welcome everyone to the show. Uh, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. Uh, my expertise is in astrology and numerology and, and tarot and runestones, a number of different oracles that I work with. Uh, I do private consultations uh, here in my home office in Phoenix, as well as by phone for out-of-area clients. Uh, all that information, if you have interest in it, would be available on my website at jimventura.com. Uh, also, I am an author of a couple different books, and I do a monthly column called Snake Oil, uh, which is uh, what our show is about today. And if you're not already getting my monthly uh, column, by email, uh, feel free to email me at venturasage at yahoo.com. Uh, information can be found on my website about that as well. And I can't choose a monthly uh, newsletter mailing list. It is free and it is blind copied, so uh, no one will ever get your email address from me. Uh, but you will be able to kind of check out uh, the column reads uh, first each month. Okay, that being said. Uh, this is uh, a live column read, so I am going to read this month's newsletter slash column. Well, not the whole newsletter, it's just the, the, the column itself. Uh, and then we're going to talk a bit about that uh, today. Um, I, I will. Uh, it's only a 45-minute show, so time will go by pretty quickly. Um, I'm not going to take calls. Uh, I may take a call or two later if we have the time. Usually we don't, um, and if I do, it will be only in relation to questions about this column as opposed to kind of live mini-readings, which I sometimes do in shows, but we will not be doing that today. We just want to have time for it. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, I'm going to get into the live column read in just a minute here, uh, but I also want to mention uh, I've been doing a lot of, uh, weirdly enough, guest spots on the ABC television show, The List. Uh, it's syndicated in, in different areas all over the country, is an ABC show. Uh, I've already filmed two spots. One ran, one will run, I think, next Friday. And I'm filming another one tomorrow. So um, I'm getting into a bit of television here, which, interesting enough, is something I had done years ago with public access television uh, back in the late 90s. Uh, but this is, I guess, a tad bit bigger. Um, anyway, so this is a good... It's easy for me. I've done TV before <laughs> and radio, so I don't get too nervous about it. But uh, it is kind of fun uh, being able to do this. She said it's adding to my calendar, being busy, uh, but good busy. Okay. So that's how I'm going to kind of tie that in with our subject and topic at hand. And, and this particular column is a, a repeat column from many, many, many years ago. I actually originally wrote this column way back in 2006, interestingly enough, uh, and um, it actually did go into my first book, which is Snake Oil Volume 1. Uh, it is available on, on Amazon, or you can get that through me also, my first four or five years of the column. did include uh, this particular piece called Creating Vines. So I, I kind of wanted to start off the new year with a very positive, kind of uplifting note, and I think Creating Vines is very much a great example of that particular uh, genre. So uh, Snake Oil, Creating Vines... I have beautiful vines that wrap around the stairway of my home. They hug the entrance to my upstairs condominium. Many of the upstairs units in my complex have them. 
I like the look of the vines, even though my feng shui consultant says they block some of the flow of energy to my home. I think that while they make it a little harder uh, to grasp the handrail when walking up my stairs, the beauty outweighs any aspects that could be perceived as negative. I trim them from time to time and occasionally water them when one of the flower pots are on my stairway. The Homeowners Association of my complex decided to paint our buildings uh, about eight months ago. An unfortunate part of this process was that all the vines would have to be pulled out for the painters to accomplish this task. I was there at the homeowners meeting when they made the decision to do this. One of the condo owners told us that it is a good idea to remove the vines because they absorb too much moisture from the building. I wondered why concrete would contain moisture and why would that have any bearing on the situation in the first place. Uh, while this, his logic seemed questionable, to say the least, I knew painting the building would increase the value of our property, and I was all for that. The day came, and I felt a little uncomfortable as they tore up the vines, as they tore all the vines away. I felt the same type of discomfort when the landscaper sawed off large branches from the tree that guards my home. It felt like they were cutting parts of me in some ways. I've always viewed the plants and animals that surround all the homes I've ever lived in as parts of my family. They are protective pieces of my reality, just like my cat, who sits on top of my stairway each night. She proudly surveys and guards our space. I always believe that all of nature will do this for us. I sat quietly in the back bedroom while they removed the vines that day. I felt like they were tearing up a small but valuable piece of my home. After the painters finished their job, I could see the building did look better. Still, my front steps looked barren, naked, and lifeless. I decided I would somehow make the vines grow back. I visualized this happening. This was easier to do because my visualization skills have been honed over the years. Even though there were no signs left of the vines, I trusted they would return. I watered the ground a few times and visualized the plants growing back effortlessly. Within weeks, the vines began to spring up. Within three months, they were again growing all over my stairwell. A few of the neighbors have had some regrowth, but nothing compared to the lush plant growth that now graced my home. It dawned on me during this process that I had easily manifested this reality. My intention, combined with a desire for beauty, positive growth, and abundance, helped make this happen. Skeptics might argue that I did nothing amazing here or they had nothing that I had nothing to do with the regrowth. They might point out that the roots were already in the ground. They wouldn't believe that magic had occurred. But then again, why did my vines grow so much faster than everyone else's? The difference in my vines was dramatic. They are far more abundant than the other stairways. My response to the skeptics is that the practical details necessary for the growth of the vines inserted themselves into physical reality, fueled by my beliefs. Focusing only on the tangible details or scientific aspects of life is where people limit themselves and do not recognize the power of their beliefs. They miss an understanding of the multiple layers behind cause and effect. When I was 17, I read a series of channel books that enlightened me. Seth Speaks by Jane Roberts was the first in the series. I learned that our thoughts create our reality. 
and the world around us. So this idea wasn't new to me. What stunned me was how easily and quickly I made the violence return. There was nothing to block this creation, no belief that it wasn't possible, no core fears that it wasn't worthy of having lush minds again. There were no mental, physical, or emotional blocks that needed to first be removed to allow this manifestation to occur. The process was nearly effortless. Something clicked inside of me. I now intend to apply the same principles to areas of my life that have been blocked and stagnant. Then I'll sit back and trust that these things will flower and grow, just like the healthy greenery that now lovingly and abundantly wraps itself around my home. Okay, so this... this uh, Snake was written in October of 2006. It's really hard to believe how long ago that was already. It's trippy, the passage of time. Um, anyway, getting philosophical here. Well, when in when in Rome. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, so yeah, the vines are still very much alive and well. Uh, I, I have always trimmed them. Um, I think, you know, we'll probably have to paint the buildings again already. It's been, uh, God, going on, you know, 11, 12 years now. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is a strong piece to write because it does illustrate a number of things that I think are very, very important for people to grasp and to understand. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of writing a, a column that is going to kind of be some of the basics, and, and that's sort of in the works that are, you know, be likely to be, written in the next couple of months, but let me throw some of that out to all of you right now at one level or another, kind of catching this show. Uh, it, it's really going to be a column that, that really gets into the basics of, of what metaphysics is. So let me give a quick rundown of that so everyone kind of knows. Things like astrology and, and your numerology and, and uh, your even, you know, uh, genetic uh, input from, from different races that you're born in and things like that. Listen, these are things that are potentially chosen ahead of time. And what I mean by that, before you make a decision to leave the other world, the place we all come from before we come into a physical body, um, you know, whether you call that heaven or, you know, I, I like the, world, the word other world better because it's, you know, heaven has too many connotations to me of, of good and bad in a way that, that can be religious, um, which is fine. But, again, I, I think it, people think of it as a place of reward as opposed to just understanding where we spring from. You know, the magic, we are spirits in the material world, but police uh, from back in the late 70s when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, that's it. Uh, so before we come in in a physical body, we, we are similar to choosing our parents. We're choosing our genetic uh, dispositions um, for ultimate growth and what we're looking to achieve during the lifetime. Our astrology, our numerology, uh, even even probably some is more significant, has chosen to give us a basic blueprint for dispositions, you know, style, way we're gonna, what we're going to focus on, whether we're going to be very emotional in a lifetime or more fiery or more airy or more earthy and, you know, where the ease is, where you have natural talents, where you're going to have, um, where you're going to have tests and things that will uh, push you to grow at, at one level or another. All of these things are ultimately chosen. So there is a value of, of looking at an astrology chart, understanding a numerology chart, uh, things of that nature, um, because give you insight to your basic wiring and programming. That said, from there, 
we now step into another element of quote-unquote metaphysics, which is that your thoughts and your beliefs form your reality. So what we believe to be true about life uh, is often, if not always, physically manifest in front of us. So listen, many of the beliefs that we formulate, of course, start during childhood. If you're told that life is easy and you're blessed because you're pretty and things come easy to you, hey, believe it or not, there's a very good chance that that is going to be more of what you experience because your beliefs uh, begin to formulate a reality around you. Listen, early programming will have a lot to do with the beliefs that we take on from our parents and our, our family and where we were born. And, you know, my mother is 85 years old and, and compulsively, obsessively Republican no matter what. That's what she was taught. That's what you're supposed to be. Even if a Republican candidate happens to be horrible, my mother is still going Republican no matter what. Uh, my mother is very, very Catholic. And, uh, you know, I think she had a quandary like back in her, you know, way back in the day before I was born with John F. Kennedy because she hated him because he was Democrat, but she loved him because he was Catholic. That must have freaking killed her. <laughs> you know, there's some internal quandary, you know, because that's what you do. So, um, you listen, or, or a lot of the forming beliefs that we have have to be imprinting of where we get around. If we're told the world is a scary place and it's dangerous and you need to protect yourself. And, you know, listen, that's going to formulate beliefs that you have about your reality. Now, uh, for most of us, you know, when, when you become, you know, teenage or later teens, early 20s, you begin to start to weed out what you believe to be true as opposed to what our family and, and society told us to be true. We begin to question our beliefs. Uh, this can start earlier, uh, dependent on, on aspects like soul age and other factors. Uh, so it can start earlier, but um, it did very much with me. I was questioning a lot of the things I was being taught, uh, you know, at a, at a pretty young age. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but that's a natural process that we will then ultimately go through. We form the beliefs that our family told us and what you're supposed to do. And, you know, I mean, hey, listen, I, I was raised in a family where there was a very strong work ethic. You know, the positive side of that is I never called in sick, I think, a day in my life at a job. Uh, partly German heritage uh, maybe is one way of looking at it. A lot of Virgo in my chart, even though I'm a Sagittarius sun sign, a lot of Virgo. So, you know, there were natural dispositions that went in that direction, but it also had a lot to do with what I was taught. And so the good news is in, in my family, with my brothers and sisters and my family, we always had never had trouble getting jobs and being liked at our jobs. My, my parents' belief was that you got a job, you worked your way up the ladder, so to speak, in devotion, and worked, stayed at that job for years, and then you retired when you were older. They followed that paradigm. Now, for me... Uh, I did those things when I was younger, but listen, I you know I was eccentric. I was a weirdo from the beginning. Uh, I could follow those 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 patterns because there is a practical side to me. But there's a tremendous amount of creativity within my astrology chart and in my wiring. I like to play. I like to gamble. I'm very very uh, creative artistically and as a writer. And and I did I struggled a bit with the paradigm of working a 40 50 hour work week and committing to those things. It went against the natural grain of who I was, but I attempted to follow that grain early on because that was the belief I had about what was right to do in the world. Okay, so good example of that um, and, and getting into this idea of how your beliefs form your reality. 
So when, uh, again, for me, I had learned that concept and that idea from, from Jane Roberts' assess books, which are amazing uh, to, to check out for anyone who hasn't, you know, starting with Seth Speaks and then the second book that, that she wrote that he channeled through, Seth uh, Speak Through Jane Roberts, and wrote The Nature of Personality, phenomenal, uh, all of the books, the Individual Nature of Mass Events, I can go on. But so, I, again, early on, I, was I learned about these ideas that your thoughts and beliefs form reality. Now, at this point in the game, it, it, you know, at the ripe old age of 53, I don't question at all that that's true, period. But really, to a large extent in every area of life, um, you know, often, you know, it, it's cute because some of my buddies at the gym, for instance, like, it, it's, they don't, it's hard for me not to be metaphysical. You know, so like, if, for instance, if a, one of my buddies had cut his, uh, his uh, right thumb, dramatically and had not even gotten it stitched and had come to the gym and sort of showing off this cut very proudly, Leo. Uh, and uh, I had said, you know, you've been worrying a lot lately, haven't you? And he was like, how do you know that? I said, because the thumb represents worry. And so usually if we cut our thumb or we jam our thumb or we hurt our thumb, it's because we're worrying. Again, events are ultimately interconnected at one level or another. And the good news is that was a week and a half ago. It's healed a lot. Even without stitches, it's healed a lot. Uh, he's a strong guy. He's going to ultimately heal through it. But, you know, what people would say is, well, no, it didn't have anything to do with any, any metaphysical thing. He just cut his hand. He sliced it on the nail, and, you know, and the details are there. But, again, when you understand the concept of a metaphysics, you understand that everything is, is entwined. There are no isolated events. If you have a car accident, yes, somebody hit your car, and you know, but we don't take into account beliefs that we might have about something like a car accident. Like, for instance, often when we're very angry and we're brewing on something, something very painful and if someone abused us emotionally or financially or, and we're mad about it and we can't stop thinking about it, a lot of times we have a car accident because we're so angry that a part of us wants to hit and strike back in a way, and then somebody does that to us at, at one level or another because of that energy being pumped out there. The other thing is, again, people wouldn't think of it from this angle, but every month when you were, whenever, you know, whether you paid every six months or every month, whenever you write that check for the damn car insurance, I mean, we're writing it to stave off the cost of an accident. But some part of you may have some idea that you would someday like to cash in and collect on that. So sometimes even unconsciously we might have an accident to finally get something out of all that damn money we threw away toward insurance. Uh, the other side of it is if we have beliefs that people are lunatics and drive terribly and, you know, the world is a dangerous place, there's so many factors that come into play with the creation of an event. So a couple of examples to give you guys to contemplate. But um, I think most of those examples are things we can identify with. You know, when I wrote... Um, Creating binds. Um, it was a very, very significant event. And as I talked about in the piece, yeah, I was very um, uncomfortable, you know, with some pulling the vines down and I could feel it. And, you know, I mean, that's the sensitive Susie that I is. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I could feel that discomfort of taking that beauty away and, and that was important to me. And But yet... You know, it was almost like an experiment in that way because I just visualized the vines coming back. 
um, and I and 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 they did, and I tangibly. Again, I watered it a little more maybe than other people did, although all the wines are watered because there's a splinker system throughout this condo complex anyway. I just watered them a little more, and I visualized them coming back, and lo and behold, they came back. And again, they came back with a vengeance, um, again, noticeably so. And But my thought was the reason that that was such an easy manifestation was because I had nothing to block it from occurring. Um, it was, I, you know, there was no literal blockade. It was, I believe the vines would grow again. They could grow again. I didn't feel undeserving of the vines. I, I did, you know what I mean? I didn't feel the vines were mad at me and wouldn't come back because they were pulled out. I didn't have any of this stuff going on. So the manifestation was easy. So, yes, whether you believe it or not, your thoughts and beliefs form your reality, guys. Um, they just do. The reason that sometimes when you're trying to manifest something and it's not happening is because often there are contradictory beliefs going on internally, and that is what acts as a blocking force uh, that is not allowing it to occur. So let me give an example of this again so I can can give you some some level of insight because everyone's going to have different experience and things that are significant for them and that will make more sense to them. But, you know, I often try to come up with somewhat universal ideas that people can ultimately grasp. Okay, so let me give an example of this. Say, for instance, you are someone who perceives yourself to be overweight, um, and you're frustrated because you you don't really overeat and you do exercise a little, and but yet for some reason you can't seem to lose weight, and you're frustrated with that. Now, we some, again, when you begin to understand the concept that your thoughts and beliefs form your reality, you begin to approach it from another angle, which is one, to recognize the creative force of visualizing yourself being thinner, uh, beginning to insert new beliefs that may go against the grain of beliefs that you have now. Like, for instance, a belief like, you know what, that's funny. No matter what I do and I eat, I never seem to gain any weight. I've, I've always just, you know what I mean, I... I used to be heavier, but now I'm, I'm really lean, and I actually eat healthier. And I mean, if you start saying and visualizing those things, believe it or not, your subconscious, your unconscious mind, they believe it is fact. Um, and, and you will inevitably begin to physically change. Your behavioral patterns will change. You may start eating less or eating healthier or wanting to exercise more. Anyway, so... But again, really often the belief ultimately comes first, so there's a change that way. Now, the reason that some people might have trouble with manifesting something like that is because, again, we often don't look at whatever limiting beliefs we have around that subject. So, for instance, one, when you were a kid, if you were frequently told that all the girls in your family, uh, and you being a girl, have weight issues, that that's just our genetics, that's what we have, that's our thing. Um, it's less about the genetics and more about the fact that you believe that. And well, you may not want to believe that, and you wish it wasn't so, but at least from your reality. So if you believe that your family is predisposed toward being, predisposed toward being heavy, um, you will uh, have trouble losing weight, even if you do the visualizations to move forward. You know, another example of that may be that if you believe that skinny people are shallow and selfish and bitches and 
and you do not in any way perceive yourself to be that way, some part of you may not allow yourself to get thin because you may believe that you'll become shallow and selfish and and all the things that you, you consider yourself not to be. So, uh, you know, a, a big thing that I see with a lot of people with weight issues and things like that is the fear of vulnerability. Uh, men often feel this a lot. I mean, having size for a man ideally it would be muscle as opposed to necessarily fat, but in either case can have a lot to do with not being pushed around physically by other people. It can act as armor at one level or another. So we see it as a necessity to keeping people from messing with us. Uh, to a lesser extent, but also somewhat, women may often have that, that belief as well too, that if you're larger, people are going to potentially mess with you less. If you've had wounds in relationships and hurts from the past, you may unconsciously build armor that around your body so that you um, you avoid intimacy as much as you may consciously want it, unconsciously you fear it at one level or another. I mean, now the good news is this. You know, even if you have weight issues and you're not, quote, unquote, the perfect size, and who is, by the way, um, even if that's the case, you know, they're going to people that are going to be very turned on by you for being a uh, a, a larger person also. Uh, I, I have a friend of mine who told me a couple of months ago, she's only about 29 or 30, and she's a very funny character who's an Aries, a lot of piercings, and she told me, and she's a big girl. She's not a small girl. She's a very full-bodied girl, and she had said that she was amazed because she had gone out with this guy and then had slept with him that night, and she, he was out of the range of what she would normally go for. He was kind of buff and on the leaner side, and and she woke up you know, with him sleeping next to her, but he wasn't sleeping. He was tracing the outline of her hips with his finger, and he said, and she woke up and she said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, my God, I'm just so turned on. I just can't believe how beautiful you are. And she said it was a huge light bulb moment for her to recognize that she had been putting herself down for being beautiful and, too, and for being too large, but that there were men that loved that about her. So very profound and, and definitely altering the way she viewed life. Very interesting because she ended up quitting a job that was bothersome to her, beginning a new job that she now loves, and, and exiting out of some difficult, abusive relationships at the same time. So both, a lot of things shifted around. The point that I'm getting back to is this, guys. You, you're, whether you believe it or not, again, your beliefs will form your reality. We, we just often are either unconscious to it, almost in that sense, or we're simply not paying attention in a way because we, you know, we are, we're often attached to those beliefs at one level or another. One, they seem tangibly real to us at one level or another. But, you know, for instance, and, and then I'll use this as a perfect example, and, and not suggesting other people try this at home, but I have uh, uh, a 16-year-old cat, and she has been, you know, having some health issues. And uh, one, um, she's a 16-year-old cat. Uh, her the Maine Coon had her since she's about one and a half, two years old, and um, their average lifespan is between 12 and 15 years. Uh, and this cat is 16, so the fact that she's having some health issues and uh, and things like that is is not only not surprising, uh, you know, it's not an issue of my beliefs in this case. It's it's you know there's a limit 
in terms of how long the cat will live at one level or another. But the other art part of it is she has lived abnormally long already uh, to a large extent. And, and again, may live for another few months, not even a year or two, for all I know at this point. But you know, the quandary had always been, you know, you want to take your cat to the vet when they have any type of difficulty. Well, between you and I, I never did that. I mean, when I got her, I took her to the vet, and she got her basic shots. Um, but I have not taken to her to her to a vet in in 14 years. Um, and you know, two years ago, she fem- uh, a feline flu, and I thought it might kill her. And I, she had picked it up for some feral cats outside that hang out my door, and, and I knew that's probably where she got it from. But uh, she not only merged through that, but she merged healthier and stronger. From there, I didn't take her to a vet. And in this case, with my cat having some stuff surfacing now with her anal glands and a UTI, I was back and forth about whether I would take her to a vet. Because in my mind, the trauma of putting her in a cat carrier and taking her to a vet uh, might be worse than than owning that it's an older cat, and maybe she just stays at home and finishes out her life comfortably. And, uh, and the good news is this: listen, I did some research and I found out there's a thing called mobile vets now that actually come to your home. In fact, I have one coming tomorrow, so that's awesome. She won't have to go through the trauma of of me having to take her into a vet. But the reason I bring all of this up is. You know, I was taught all my life that if you don't take your cat to the vet and have regular checkups and things like that, that the cat will be sicker and have problems. Well, I have not had that experience, and that reflects me. I don't use very much traditional medicine at all. Um, I use alternative medicine. I, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly healthy, and I'll probably live a, to a ripe old age, just as almost all of my animals have that I've had. They always seem to outlive normal animal span. So apparently I'm doing something right. Uh, but again, the cat may also be, you know, working around the para, uh, parameters of my beliefs at one level or another about health and healing. So listen, I'm not telling everyone to stop taking your cats to vets. Vets are awesome and useful and have a value. But at another level, when you believe the only cure to any type of illness with yourself or your pets is through traditional medicine or things like that, again, you're setting yourself up to have a limited range of beliefs. Within those structures, yes, you can get healing and there can be real value in it, but there's often a lot of methods and ways to necessarily heal considered as well uh, when you, you do not jam yourself into only having certain beliefs at one level or another. So this is, again, one of the nice things about metaphysics. You stretch outward and have different perceptions of things. I mean, one of the tricks that I done with my cat is over the years is I put colloidal silver in her water. Uh, colloidal silver is a natural antibiotic. Uh, it's very inexpensive um, and they do it a lot in, in England and Scotland and places like that for their animals and you know whether that actually contributed to her living longer and being healthier which she clearly has um, or uh, it's just that I believe that it helps what does it matter? In either case, apparently it worked at, at one level or another. So there's sort of the awesome part, and it was a cheap road to go uh, as well, too. My practical side of me likes that, you know. Uh, but, again, like, like I'm saying, they, there are multi-layers to events. And when you, when you look at what I recommend a lot of my listeners do, as I, and I work with clients in a much more direct way with all of this stuff and help them to look at your beliefs and, and all those things to in order to 
change them. I mean, I have actual sessions I do with people for this. Again, all that info is on my website. Um, and valuable. You know, I'm not cheap. I'm also not expensive. I'm about mid-range in terms of cost, but you're, you're going to get a lot out of it in that sense, as, as many of my clients over the years have. And, you know, the, the trick is you, you first have to identify where you have an area that's blocked up, and, yes, you're going to have to start working at somewhat consciously changing your beliefs about that subject, um, which to some extent can mean a little bit of, of, again, of theoretical bullshitting yourself. If you're telling yourself you're thin and lean, as an example, you know, there's a part of you that's going to be like, but I'm not. So there can be some confusion in that. But what I often tell people to do when it comes to visualizing things is a lot of times there's a value in seeing that as a future event. In other words, if you start seeing it, if it's the winter as it is now, and you start visualizing it being August of, of this year and people complimenting you on how lean you are and how good you look and you saying things like, hey, you know, I just lost weight. It was actually easier than I thought. It came off pretty naturally. I'm just eating a lot better. And, you know what I mean? If you visualize those things, you give yourself that leeway in the span of time to create that more comfortably than trying to tell you that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and be instantly thin. There are physical physical realities in the world that you, you cannot buck up against just because you believe something. We've agreed to those structures, you know what I mean? But yes, changing your body weight by August can be very much in, a very realistic thing for many people to do. So yes, visualization books, techniques, things like that, awesome. Start that path. But, again, what I'm always telling people is you also have to start weeding out the blockade beliefs that you have that have limited you or created a circumstance in the first place. And I would like to say that's a hard thing to do, but it's not. We, we have this idea that, you know, a lot of times that you have to dig through your psyche and your past and your childhood to figure out who and what you are and what you believe in. I guess that's somewhat true, but it's mostly nonsense because I think that we um, the, the, the beliefs that we have ourselves are, are quite conscious. You know, when I had financial issues back in 2009, 2010, even early 2011 during the recession, I mean, the thing I was doing on a daily basis was worrying about money. I didn't have enough money. Money was tight. I was worried about whether I was going to get the money that I needed. I mean, I would drive in my car and think about whether I was going to pay my bills and uh, all the things that I worried about but without getting a lot into detail about this, I was stressed. The other thing I caught was that I was beating myself up. I was mad at me for having gotten into debt. I should have been smarter, and I should have saved money when I had it, and I shouldn't have been reckless in my past. And I was shooting all over myself on a daily basis. So, you know, what changed that for me, and, and I've written about this subject in my column. If you're reading my columns, you probably will be like, oh, that's right, he talked about this once before or twice before. But what happened after going through a number of years of financial difficulty, it was during a recession. I didn't mean I didn't on my own create the recession. It was a, a dual creation by all of us, <laughs> even though we didn't, we didn't, none of us probably liked it. Well, some people benefited during it. That's a whole other story. Okay, but that said, with these fears and these worries and thinking about it and stressing about it, I mean, I remember it was pretty clear in, in the early part of 2012 that a light bulb came on and I had to forgive myself and let it go and just stop worrying about money and, and stop beating myself up for um, having gotten into debt and having allowed it to happen. And when I made that decision, 
and began to shift those beliefs around, I had an impulse to to look up my my credit card history and a number of other things, and I had figured out that I had been um, you know, I had paid my debt off two times over and still had the same amount of debt. I began to realize that the credit card companies were in many cases really siphoning you into this stuff and that I didn't need to feel guilty about defaulting on that. That was something I needed to do for survival and a lot of people had to go through it. So this huge shift came. But the main part of the shift was I just forgave myself. I was going to start over, move in another direction and be okay with it. And not even talking about that now is so funny because I just don't really stress about money and financial stuff almost at all. I don't get in my car and worry about you know, money and whether I'm going to have enough and stuff like that. Listen, I'm still fairly neurotic in that I think about, you know, like I'm, I used to joke, I would say, like, whenever I have money, I always, like, pay my bills out as quickly as I can. It's like I get rid of every bill that's in my inbox. Like, that's, like, happiness for me, the joy of not having any bills at the moment for a couple of weeks, you know. Sometimes it's funny because I literally will have no money because I paid everything off. <laughs> it wasn't even due for, like, two and a half weeks, and I wrote a check for it to get rid of it. You know what I mean? I was like, Jim. I mean, a little cuckoo here, but you know what I mean? But I, I just don't, my beliefs have changed or go by reality. Now, if you're a skeptical person who doesn't believe in metaphysics, your answer to that is going to be no. Your reality changed, and then you just changed the way you think about it. So what I say to somebody like that is good for you that you want to believe that and have at it, but the truth is it's, one, that's not how it works, and two, that's a very limited uh, perspective. That, that you're taking, you know? I mean, ultimately, you know, it's one of the reasons why I get as annoyed with hardcore atheists as I do with hardcore right-wing, born-again, lunatic Christians on, on the, oh, sorry, the atheists on the left as I do with crazy, born-again, right-wing lunatics on the right. It's extreme in one level or another, uh, you know, uh, in, in some type of middle ground, you know, uh, and and... Yes, and all people are, are entertaining to me at one level or another. But really, you know, I've, I've had, I've gone on dates with, you know, as, a, as an astrologer, I wanted to date a couple of months ago with someone who said during the date that, oh, I don't really believe in that kind of stuff. And I was like, one, you're stupid. I didn't say that out loud. Uh, That's why I thought in my head before I ended the date. Um, and two, like, what, why would you say that to someone on a date? You know what I mean? Who's an astrologer? Well, you're being honest. What you know, a smart person would have said, you know what? I'm skeptical of that area, you know, uh, about life, but I don't really know much about it. So, and that would have been a legitimate answer. But as opposed to an outright believe in it, okay, congratulations. So, you know, is that your plan for winning me? To tell me that the work I've done for 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 35 years is BS. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, people are funny. But ultimately, you know, this is some of the, one of the things that I, I really, really like to point out, that, you know, become in touch with the idea that your, your thoughts and beliefs create your reality. Understand that process. Again, lots of books on these type of things and, and subjects. It's not like you couldn't access information on, on this area. It's, it's all over the place. Some of it's good. Some of it's, you know, maybe not as good. Depends on the sources you're looking at. But it, it, again, I'll say this as clearly as I can. I mean, it is true. Your your beliefs create your reality, and the more you become aware of that, the more you begin to see how prevalent that really is in everything. And 
it's a good thing to do because you now have a whole other level of power in the way that you can manifest and create things. Listen, you're doing it anyway. Uh, because whether you believe your thoughts create reality doesn't change the process. You just do it. But you're just not conscious of it. Uh, and when you become more conscious of something, it can give you a little bit more leeway over it, and, and you can create some amazing things like vines outside your stairway. And uh, and that's why it was an easy manifestation for me, one I'm very proud of and, and why I wanted to run that, that column again, because it really illustrated those points pretty dramatically. Okay, that being said, looks like we're running out of time here already. Um, I was hoping to take a call or two, but I don't think we're going to have time for that. They're going to shut me down in a couple of minutes here. So, All right, um, let me kind of finish up with a quick final thought here. And... Uh, so uh, here, here's my advice. Um, you know, uh, there's lots of ways to begin to look into this process and uh, of creating a reality, but you're doing it anyway. So listen, start getting creative about it, about the idea that you can do this. And, and you know, play around with small things. Like, you know, let me do a little fun experiment. Imagine, you know, clearly visualizing your mind, you know, uh, seeing lots of yellow cars tomorrow. Or, or seeing yellow flowers, or something that has no <laughs> blockade to it. There would be no reason why that could not be the case. Then pay attention to what you see in the next couple of days. You'll often be like, this is trippy. Now I keep seeing yellow flowers, you know, or yellow cars. Or It's cool, because you begin to get that fluidity about how that process works. And then also begin that process of looking at your beliefs. And, and, and what we believe about things. And, and the simple way to do that is to say, rather than say something is a fact, insert something you see about life as a belief. People are lazy. People are stupid. People are slow. People are mean. Uh, and change that to, I believe that people are slow. I believe that people are dumb. I believe people are lazy. You will begin to get in touch with this thing that you're doing anyway. And we will give you some leeway in shifting it. Okay. Just a couple of quick basics. Again, I go into this in much more detail in, in personal sessions to help you with this process. But uh, we're going to have to finish up here. Um, catch my appearances on the list on ABC. Um, uh, I think, again, this, the, the next two Fridays is my next show runs. Uh, talk about astrology and, and interior design, interestingly enough. On one show and the other one is going to be about how to influence people by knowing and understanding astrology. I'll be doing that shoot tomorrow. That one I think will run in about two weeks. Uh, you can catch my uh, info on my services or my books on my website, jimventura.com, and I will be here next month for another live column read. And uh, if you're not already getting my email, newsletter, snake oil, email me, adventuresage at yahoo.com, and get on the free newsletter mailing list. Uh, the other benefit of that is I do specials for readings and sessions. And, um, and, people who get my mailers get access to those sessions. Otherwise, you don't get access to those discounted sessions that I do from time to time. Um, I've even got mail from Australia that are, that are getting my column. In Canada, which is really cool, uh, I did a session, uh, Skype session with an Australian woman uh, about a month and a half ago, which was really cool. It, she was 18 hours ahead uh, the next day, <laughs> which was, was trippy, but cool. But anyway, thanks for joining me today. Good luck in your vine creating and all these other good things, and uh, everybody, uh, happy new year.